We're a very compassionate group and we're very skilled and we're very good at putting, to me, you have to put the patient and family first. But when you're finished your day, you need to put your own self and your family. everyone and welcome to What's Important to You. What's Important to You is a podcast created by the Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice Center for Learning and this podcast is created to give an intriguing insight on often overlooked end-of-life topics. I'm your host, Bezaga Rihanna, and in today's episode we are actually going to be talking about what it means to be a hospice nurse. So, May is actually Nurses Appreciation Month. And in honor of the great work that hospice nurses do, and all nurses in general provide to our community and our patients, I wanted to um, interview someone who has been in this field for many years to give us their insight on what it means to be a hospice nurse. So for this episode of What's Important to You, I am interviewing Sharon Klein, who is our, the Director of Admissions here at Montgomery Hospice. Sharon has been with us for many years, uh, and I can't wait to just get started with this. So Sharon, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself to our audience. So I'm Sharon Klein, and I am a registered nurse, and I uh, function here at our, at our hospice, at Montgomery Hospice, as the uh, Director of the Admissions Department. So what is the role of the hospice nurse? So a hospice nurse, which I'm still a hospice nurse and will always be a hospice nurse. But right now I, I'm, I'm doing more directing. So I'm, I'm in charge of the department. And I'm very blessed to have wonderful people to work with. I'm a manager for the nurses, our, our admission nurses. And also a manager for our admin assistants and the folks that take referrals and make it all happen on paper in the medical record and... Um, giving information out to our referral sources and also our, our folks that do call because sometimes the patient themselves call. So it's been a learning process for the admin assistants to learn to uh, work with these kind of people and also to be able to handle the struggles that they have. Now, now how long have you been in this business, in the hospice field? I've been a hospice nurse, uh, started in hospice uh, for in 1987, and it's been the best work. It's my best work. I've been a nurse for a very long time, and uh, I started out as an emergency room nurse in the inner city of Baltimore. It was a lot of fun, which sounds really sick, but it was very exciting as a new nurse. I learned a lot, learned a lot. And then I worked in a coronary care unit at Hopkins, and that was interesting, and I always liked the techie part, the the high-tech, the machinery, and the very ill patients. It just uh, found it very challenging and also rewarding at the same time. So would you say that's what drew you into uh, nursing? What Would you say nursing was your calling? I, it is, and it was. And I think, but I wasn't aware of that. As a, you know, as my last year of high school, what am I going to do? I knew I didn't want to be a school teacher. And I certainly uh, did want to be a secretary. And that's what women did back then, pretty much. And uh, Or you could be a nurse. But I was very fortunate to have a friend um, that was a director of nursing. And she really, I talked to her a lot about what was nursing and what she thought. And she really kind of took me under her wing and she recommended that I apply to her school of nursing, where she graduated from many years. So, and that was a school that's, it was an Episcopal school, it was a three-year school. 
and a very, very focused on nursing as taking care of the whole patient. Mm -hmm. And even that early incorporated the family members and how important it was. Mm -hmm. So we were just really then different from if I would probably have gone to a college first. So the clinical piece was very important, but we also had our college courses. But it was more hands-on, and you learned very quickly. And the standards at that school of nursing, it was it was all about the patient and family. Always had, and that's how I was oriented. And it um, had to have a lot of tough on the outside, I think, because again, their standards were very high. We were um, we were the nurses, the students who wore the black stockings and the long blue dresses with the big aprons, and um, often thought us nuns when we were out on public health. But again, it was an old school with old standards but also do, you had to do well. How did you make the transition from Hopkins, so is it from Hopkins to hospice, or walk me through your journey to how you got into hospice? So after coronary care, then I got married and moved to Cincinnati, and while I was there, I worked in their intensive care. So again, I saw that mechanical stuff, and you know, very sick patients, and I enjoyed the challenge, and I also, enjoy the people I worked with, again, learning more. And then I moved, let's see, after that I moved to Cleveland for a while. So any time I didn't work was not quite a year in Cleveland. But then I moved to uh, Maryland and uh, we set up a practice. So I managed a family practitioner's office for 14 years. So you're kind of a family practice, you're really getting to know your patients and families because the whole family comes and uh, you get to know and as some of the people that we'd gotten to know over the years became eligible for hospice, but nobody was talking about hospice then. And you would see some of the feudal therapy that was involved. And they would come into our practice and talking about their anxieties and what to do and all of that. And I thought, hmm, there's got to be something else. Nobody was really talking about hospice, at least not in Maryland, where I was, and and I wasn't in the city, I was in Western Maryland. And um, so I had to I would do a little research and I thought, well, this makes sense. Then I, you know, then I stopped being that and I decided I really did want to go into hospice care. And I was lucky enough that the hospital that I trained in had a hospice program. So, and it was quite different from what we're doing now. They actually were trying to do the British model but it really gave me the insight that, you know, this really did make sense, and it made a difference. How um, was that hospice model different from the current model that we have right now? Or So their model, they actually, they're all gone to England to train with uh, the British program with uh, Saunders, Dame Saunders, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. So they... And it's different, and they worked more with home health. But again, when the patients had to be hospitalized, we had a unit that they came to, and that worked well. And, you know, so you learn symptom management, and I think I learned from the best. And I, you know, so because you had to learn, it seemed like you had to learn all over again because we're looking at the patient as we're looking at their quality of life. And I'm not saying that cardiologists and all that, of course, they're doing that too. But there comes a time when maybe you need to get away from some of the mechanical piece and let's look what we can do with the patient. Same with with our our cancer patients. The chemo treatments or whatever, they get to a point 
unfortunately. I mean, there are cures, and we like to see that, but some people, it doesn't happen for them. So we need to focus in on how can we make that life, what's left of it, the best quality for that patient and family. That, to me, is what hospice is. And I think that's also what drew me into this is the focus of like on the whole, like the right. whole person and the family. So right. it's beyond just symptom management, but also addressing the emotional, psycho, mm-hmm. the psychosocial right. aspect of it. And so then, once you um, got into this field, mm-hmm. then um, what, like, what, where did you start in terms of your hospice? You started in the, um, the hospice, and which was part of a hospital setting, right? Um, and now you are you. So, Mm -hmm. geography, because it was a long drive from Western Maryland to Baltimore, but um, so then I I moved to Frederick, and I did hospice nursing there for almost 20 years, and then I came to Montgomery Hospice, and I um, took a little time off for myself, and then I came here, and I've been very pleased to be part of this group, because I think our heart is in the right place. I think that we still have a lot of compassion, mm. and um, we're, we are truly working for the patient and family. So you are the director of admissions, as I mentioned earlier on um, in the introduction, but um, what h- other roles have you had prior to becoming the head of admissions here at Montgomery and Prince George's Hospice? Um, I'm sure you've had many, many roles, and you've worn many hats. So if you can just walk us through that, that'd be amazing. Just briefly before I came here, I always, I did, I did liaison work at Frederick. I also did uh, case management or primary nurse, or we call our primary nurses here, but we were case managers. Um, I also did admissions because for me, life happened. So when I was doing case management and I had carried a caseload and I loved it very much, but then my husband got ill and he became the hospice patient. So we were trying to figure what role could I do? And I, so then I became a liaison and then eventually just taking referrals and doing admissions to get it done. And it, I think it helps. I had to give up the, the, the strong feeling that I had that only the case manager should be doing the admission visit. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's, it's hard to do that and still manage your other patients. So it works out very well. And I did continue to manage briefly. Those patients I knew were what we call short stays because it was a late referral. And I'm not saying it's anyone's fault, but, you know, sometimes we just don't want to see it. As a patient, we don't want to see that this is where we are. So it's it's a difficult time, but um, now you talked about different types of hospice nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of go over the different types, like and the roles that they play? So um, you think I think you mentioned an admissions nurse, a hospice liaison, a visiting nurse, a case mm-hmm. manager nurse. So um, walk us through what their roles are. So we'll start at the beginning. Okay, we get a referral on a patient. So I have let's say the patient is in the hospital. So we're, we have the ability to send liaisons to the hospital that they can meet with the patient and family when we get the referral and talk to them face-to-face about hospice care. And sometimes the most important thing we do then is we're listening to what the patient and family know. Mm-hmm. We want to hear their story. And I think it's always the question should always be, what do you know? 
Can you tell me what's happened? And sometimes by them telling their story, it becomes clearer to them. It's like, oh, I really am not doing well, mm-hmm. or I may need your help. And I think that's the most important thing about a liaison. And um, I think that if your specialty is hospice, to hear about hospice from the folks that actually understand and work in hospice are the best ones to talk about it. I'm not saying someone else can't, but it's been my experience that having those who have been in this in this kind of care that we we can really help the patient tell their story. So I actually have a, a story to tell there. When I started working at Montgomery Hospice about four years ago, I was very new to the, not only to the field, but to the concept of hospice. Something um, that solidified uh, that I needed to be here in this field was that um, my experience with shadowing one of our uh, hospital liaisons. Well, I shadowed a couple of them, but one of them in particular. During my um, day with her, I had the um, absolute pleasure of actually seeing her in action as she delivered difficult news of someone being terminally ill and having to need hospice, um, not, not only to the patient, but also to the family members who were not at the same page when it comes to where their um, loved one was in terms of prognosis. The amount of care, the amount of patience, and the amount of support she um, exhibited and that I witnessed just solidified the fact that I just had to be in this field. I, I just remember just saying, wow, if I, God forbid, one of my family members gets sick, I want her to break the news to me. <laughs> anyway, I, I digressed a little, but um, then what? So if how about an admissions nurse? So you have a liaison um, who does the meeting with the family um, and talking to them about right. what hospices and such. Mm-hmm. Um, then what? So if, if the referral comes from a doctor's office, um, they would be seen by an admission nurse. And it could be, it could be an info visit to do what the liaison does. And to explain how it works, it's um, that's a good question. So that's their role. And hopefully, if the patient is agreeable, they could do the admission at that time. Mm-hmm. Or we schedule it for later. And of course, those are all things that there's no charge for. We don't charge for any of that. But it's a very important part. So the nurse will go and talk to them just as if a liaison. Or if it's already, we know that it's going to be admission, we talk about. First of all, what's the goals of care? That's after. I shouldn't say that's first of all because first of all, again, is what do you know? Tell me about your illness. And sometimes, you know, we'll hear from patients, they'll say, um, well, don't you know? My doctor said he told you all about me, don't you know? And I'll say, well, he told me, but I want to know what you know and understand. And most often when people can tell their story and they can, what they, they learn too, and they, there's, it's easier to accept if you want to say it's easy, but it's easier. And I think the other important part about all of this process is, and I remember very clearly, and even though this is what I did for a living, but when I was told, well, there's nothing we can do, did did we as a family, my husband and I, did we need to hear there is nothing else to do? Mm-hmm. Because there is a lot that could be done. 
that can be done. And that's what we try to, to point out. And I don't talk about dying. You're not a dying patient. Our patients are very much living, but they do know they have a shorter span of life. And part of hospice care allows us to help with that quality of life that they have. It also helps the family cope and sometimes become more cohesive. You know, we're all on the journey. You know, we talk about we gentle the journey, but it's recognizing that we're not all on the same place in that journey. Sometimes the patient is further down that road on the journey than the relatives, and sometimes it's reversed. And quite often, it's more of, of it's, they're on a different place. So you need to spend some time with them and they can see. They can listen and hear and digest and it makes a difference. So you're meeting people where they are, basically. You have to meet them where they are. You have to do that. And it's and I think that they don't need us to go in with doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. It, it's not about that. It's about how can we help you best. I can make them better. I can't promise them a long life. I can't promise myself that. You know, we go out on the road, there are crazy people out on the road. So again, it's um, it's just recognizing where they are and let's see how we can help you best. And I use those words, and I try to instill that in my staff. It's how can we help you best? And that's very important, mm-hmm. I think, um, asking what's important to you, right, to the patient, to the family. Mm-hmm. But um, I I think of nurses, and when we don't think of nurses, I think that vision that comes to you is hospital, right? In a, they're in a hospital setting, or, or uh, and so where in hospitals the focus is treatment, treatment, treatment. So mm-hmm. how do you um, shift from always trying to fix and cure mm-hmm. to making sure you're now focusing on comfort? So there's a difference, I think, between the two nurses, a hospice nurse mm-hmm. versus um, someone who works in an ICU. Um, and so how do you make that transition? And is it difficult? Because you've worked in both settings and are working in mm-hmm. both settings. So. Did you find the transition? For, for myself, um, I guess maybe because I saw a lot of fetal therapy, the machinery. When do you stop all of that? And if you consider the times, you know, you always, in that age group, where you went to the hospital to be cured. Mm-hmm. To find, you know, and now you're going to the hospital to find out why you're having problems. And then we're sending them to the doctor who, who's going to do most of the treatment because hospitals are not meant to be long-term anymore. And sometimes we're safer not in the hospital, as we understand now. But that seeing so much of that, and I thought, what is, what are we doing here? Some days you go to work and you're thinking, what am I doing here? This gentleman, somebody needs to look, how can we help him best and his family? And if you think about, I think, like an ICU, visiting hours are so brief that the patients alone a lot and the families are alone a lot. They don't have that time to be together. And hospice helps that. They really can. And um, some people get it really quickly. Some don't. And some people never really get it, you know, because we're all individuals. Yeah. But we can help that way. I um, I always worry when a doctor says, oh, I talked to the patient about hospice. They don't even want to hear about it. My response has been now is, can we talk to the patient and say, can they at least listen to us? Because sometimes the doctor will say, oh, no, they don't want to hear. But uh, one doctor said, and I, I still, and that was Dr. Biox said, 
when I give a referral, when I talk to the patient and family about a referral to hospice, and they say no, he says, I tell them they can say no until they hear what they're turning down. Mm. That that's the best, you know, that, and, and it does make a difference. Because, you know, you hear all kinds of things. My children grew up with a hospice nurse as a mother, and they're like, Mom, you know, what kind of job do you do? Mm-hmm. Your patients die. Oh, yeah, but I, hopefully they're dying with some better quality of life prior to and that their families benefited from our care. Right. And I think to, to, to piggyback on that, it's something that Dr. Aziz always also says, that one of our Pete, um, physicians here, is that it's also how you talk about hospice. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. It's how you talk about it. And if, you, um, if you're going straight by the definition, mm-hmm. people won't understand what actually what it actually is right. so you talk about the services and what what it can provide to patients and mm-hmm. and again families so what um what kind of skills i mean you manage a lot of nurses mm-hmm. um what kind of skills uh, do um nurses need to be able to work in this field first of all i think that they really need good clinical experience mm-hmm. they need to understand disease process our patients are very ill and there's more than one system. A cardiac patient just doesn't have cardiac disease. So they need to understand the disease process and how, what kind of symptoms a patient could have. And then how do you treat that? So I think that's very key. And I've always looked at my background, and I think because of my technical skills and my knowledge that I learned so well, not saying I know it all because I don't, but that it helps me take care of the patients. It helps me when I call a physician. To, and and the, sometimes they'll ask, so what, what are you recommending? What do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. And um, it makes a difference. So I want to know that the nurses that I've hired really come with that kind of clinical experience. Because we're not managing one simple disease. We're managing multiple system breakdowns. So that's, in, that's important to me. And for especially for our nurses, their initial visit, they, they need to be looking at the whole patient. We're not looking at a disease. I was fortunate enough to go to a school that said the patient is never a disease. So it's, it's just really influenced me all of my nursing career. That's so powerful to see. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the disease doesn't define the no. person. It, no. So you have to look at the person themselves. Right. And so I think that's unique, but I also think sometimes um, hospice nurses play like the role of a social worker sometimes. They have that level of empathy mm-hmm. and, and they, um, they're very resourceful. They slow down, I think. There's a level of that patience, really mm-hmm. listening, um, documenting. So, mm-hmm. of course, in addition to the clinical, do you think that there's also a level of um, like empathy that you look for or mm-hmm. in, in, in a nurse? You know, I, I always look and I say, uh, when I'll go, I'll go to our HR person. Say, I really want this person, and she'll say, "Why?" Well, well, they're very smart. They've got the clinical piece, but their heart is also in the right place. Mm. And I, I think that's important. That that I haven't been too wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think our our nurses exemplify that. Mm-hmm. Um, our nurses, exactly, their hearts are in the right place, and mm-hmm. that is shown with how long they've been with us. I think most of all, mm-hmm. and then also just their dedication to the patients. Um, from from the admissions to to the visiting nurses to the, to our liaisons, who are very much committed to making sure that patients are getting 
optimal, best care possible. And so um, what is the biggest challenge of uh, your job? As a hospice, we'll go with that because because everyone knows I sometimes have to go out and do an informational visit just because and and then everybody cringes, oh, she's (laughs) going to be asking about that patient every day. (laughs) But um, the challenges are that you have to have boundaries. You have to remember your role. You're not a part of the family. You're the nurse and you're the you're teaching the patient and family how to prof- how to provide the care, and you're teaching them about what something might be. A patient might be very angry, mm-hmm. and the family really, like, you know. So you can walk them through that, because we all are hit with these things, and we all respond differently. You know, the old thing used to be a certain order; it's not anymore. Sometimes anger comes later. Or, or maybe it doesn't come. Maybe the anger's more on the family part. It's just, you know. So I, I think it's, um, you have to remember your boundaries. You're not a member of the family. You're not even a friend. You truly are not. You are the nurse, and you're helping them take care of each other. You're giving them the knowledge they need. Because I always think about the time we had a huge storm. We had a blizzard. I actually made a very strange visit eventually on a snowmobile because so, it was out in farm country. But you have to give them the knowledge so that if you're not available, they know what to do. So, Especially um, during these times when now, here we're we are. in the midst of a pandemic mm-hmm. where um, we can't even really visit patients as, as, um, as often as we like or mm-hmm. we should. Sure. Um, so... And to be able to equip them with with mm-hmm. with knowledge and resources, to be able to do that, you need to be able empathetic, but also remote at the same right. time. Very so. But do you think drawing that boundary in such a in such a field is very hard to do? It's very hard, and sometimes because you know, nurses aren't very good at taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tried to figure out all over the years, you know. How do I have closure that's not invasive to a patient or family member? And for me, I found out that it was, um, I, I really did need to know who was this person. Because sometimes we're only seeing them briefly. And to tie it up for me was I actually did attend funerals when I could. Mm-hmm. And I found it was nice to sit and listen about that person. And that gave me closure. Now, I'm not saying that that's what will work for everyone else, but that's what worked for me. And um, sit in the back. No one even needed to know I was there. It was just that I learned a lot about that patient because we didn't know them before they were sick. And it's nice to know who that person was and to honor that. That is great. I mean, um, what I'm hearing you say is like, I think for you, having a closure is actually part of your like self-care it to is. transition. Mm-hmm. To, so, mm-hmm. and on on that note, how do you take care of yourself? Like, how what what do you do for self-care? As you said, <laughs> nurses are not very good. Um, I think most clinicians and are, aren't mm-hmm. very good at um, self-care. Mm-hmm. So, what what do you do? I've tried. To, I've learned to separate myself. And it was difficult for me to change from being the hospice nurse that saw the patient in the home or wherever to becoming the person that sits in the office. It makes everyone crazy. <laughs> um, I, was, I was able to finally realize that maybe this is what I could do because I wanted our patients 
to have earlier access. I try to think out of the box, and everyone that knows me know that they can tell when I'm actually standing on my soapbox. But I just, um, taking care of myself, I have a wonderful family, and my children understand what I do. That's, that's you, you know, it's, it's kind of changing, moving over towards your, a little more distancing from what you do. I like, what I like best about my job is being able to support the, my group, and I'm very pleased to be working with the team I am and to be here at Montgomery Hospice, because I think we make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I guess that's how I take care of myself. So I, I guess I was going to ask you what makes a hospice nurse unique or what's rewarding about uh, being in this field. So what, what would you say makes a hospice nurse unique? I think Chris, we're very much patient family focused. Mm. And thank goodness we have the social worker and the chaplains available on the team and working with the aides because, boy, our home health aides really know what's going on. Families, I think, really connect with that home health aide a lot. Mm. And I've always been blessed to have really great home health aides to help with the care. I mean, we truly are a team. This is team care. Patients not stuck with just a nurse. Not that we're not, we think we're pretty important. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's also that we learn, we have to recognize the other piece of that person. And the nurse doesn't always have to be or isn't always the best one to be doing something, to be doing the social work piece. I think it's it helps the nurse and the social worker to be cohesive because they can feed off of, we feed off of each other and we learn and the nurse isn't always maybe the one that needs the patient, that that needs, is needed by the patient family, but the social worker. And because it's also recognizing as a nurse, I can't take care of the whole family and the patient necessarily and still be whole myself. So it's having that partnership that you have. Chaplains, you know, our chaplains, um, it's not about religion. It is about our spirituality. And how great that the government, you know, back in the 80s realized that there's such a thing as a whole person. It's not just a physical being. Mm -hmm. To me, that was the greatest breakthrough. I was taught, I was very fortunate to have been taught about the whole person. But I'm not so sure that that's, that's always happening. And only, you know, I was just with a vert, you know, looking at my whole many years of nursing mm -hmm. is that you've always, you, you can't be the be all for everything. You cannot solve all the problems. But together as a team, it works. It works. I think then we're giving our best to the patient. We know sometimes patients or their family, oh, I don't need that social worker. I don't need that, you know, chaplain. I don't need those people. And if you go back, because I'm a nurse out of the 60s, social workers where you thought of them more as being in public health, you know, out and looking, do we take the kids away? So how can I introduce my social worker to let that the people would accept the social worker. So I have kind of a sick humor, and so I figured out that if I told him that she really is nice, and she's not coming to look under the bed for the dust bunnies, <laughs> and she's not taking the kids away, and they usually got the humor, and they said, well, all right, we'll try. And it worked out well. So sometimes, you know, you, you have to remember, especially with a different generation, that they might have more of a fear of 
that person. Right. I think just like hospice, right? You have to do gentle uh, introductions, yes. through awareness, mm-hmm. education, which is a lot of what we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what I think something you touched on is that um, the trainings of nurses. And mm-hmm. so, do you think nurses get um, enough adequate training? to uh, be able to care for uh, end-of-life care patients in school? Well, I don't think doctors get enough training about hospice, Mm -hmm. and I don't think nurses do either. And in the past, I've always been reluctant Mm -hmm. to hire someone who doesn't have good nursing experience. And I mean med surge um, Mm -hmm. and understanding disease process and, you know, at least a couple years under their belt. But I have to say... I did break my rule when I hired a nurse um, who happened to be a volunteer here, and she was a new grad. But she also had life experience, which brought her to hospice to begin with, and she really became one of the best nurses I worked with. So it was really nice. So I, I'm not as I don't have my set rules anymore. I have to look. I do look at the clinical experience, but I also look at the person. You know. I want to hear about them. I want them to tell me why. And I try to hear, okay, everybody knows, oh, because I really feel like I need to do this. You know, but are you still suited? Because if you want to do something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good fit. Mm. So I really try um, to listen and what, you know, and I want to know what their goals are. And what do they think? How are they going to be taking care of the people? What do they think they're, they're offering to the patient family? And I also want to know what they're offering as far as, and how do you take care of yourself? What have been your life experiences? So, yeah, I'm probably pretty nosy when I... (laughs) That's important. Um, So just to wrap things up, um, I was reading the the, the American um, Nurses Association had, for this year's theme for the Nurses Month, um, Appreciation Month, is unstoppable. And what a word to have for, Mm -hmm. like, during a, a, right a, now, in the midst of a pandemic, so I was trying to think what word would describe a hospice nurse. Um, mm. and I, I mean, some words that come to me are like compassionate, you know, just because there's a huge level of compa- compassion, mm-hmm. compassion that's involved. So, mm-hmm. what word do you think would describe what? What two words would describe mm. a hospice? Good question. Why didn't you ask me that a long time ago? I, I, th- I think because we are compassionate and also because we want to do this. I haven't met any that, that come to it with not really wanting to make a difference. So I, I just, I don't have one word other than we're a very compassionate group and we're very skilled. And we're very good at putting, to me, you have to put the patient and family first. But when you're finished your day... You need to put your own self and your family first. So you have to be those two different people. When you're working, you're being very compassionate, and you're really, to me, I was always focused on what I'm doing and what my role is. You have to remember your role. You really must you know, remember your role. You're not in charge. You're the person there to help them, to help the patient and family get through this together with the best quality of life they have left. And I... And I think the other thing is we've recognized, and I hope, and I'm still seeing it in literature that I've looked at, is that we take care of dying patients. 
We don't take care of dying patients. We take care of patients who are living and need to finish their life, but they need to be living while they're doing it. We have to recognize they're living and their families are still living together and to help make this the best exit, I guess, if you want to call it. Uh, yeah, journey, basically. Right, it is a journey, and it, it needs to be a good journey. As, and that sounds strange, but I've, I can say that I've seen many people that it makes a difference. Not just me, but the folks that are involved in their care. I think that's a beautiful way to end this. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so much um, for giving me your time and letting me interview you. <laughs> Thanks for letting me ramble. Well, folks, that's it for this episode of What's Important to You. I really hope you enjoyed listening to Sharon as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. It really was a pleasure to, to sit down with her and hear her story, what it means to be a hospice nurse. I want to take this opportunity to thank all our frontline workers, including the nurses, the social workers, the physicians, and all the other non-clinical essentials who are um, getting us through these challenging times. One thing that I would recommend uh, while you're quarantined at home, if we're look you're looking for something to pass the time, we have, we have many episodes available for you to listen on Spotify, on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. All of our episodes are also available on our website. You can just go ahead and visit www.montgomeryhospice/podcast and you should be able to access all our episodes. We also encourage you to subscribe so you get notifications when new episodes become available, as well as to leave us some some of your feedbacks. We actually read them and they help us improve our episodes. And so with that said, I'm going to go ahead and bid you goodbye. I hope you stay safe and well and you've been listening to what's important to you.